brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Down to business. When he drinks, he thinks. That's the nectar of the gods, baby. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the number one liquid-fueled, liquid-lubricated show on the interwebs. This is the Whiskey Musings Broadcast. Oh, it's a wonderful weekend. You know, tomorrow is the anniversary of the, and, well, let's just say the birthday of the greatest founding document. What am I talking about? I am talking about that right behind me, the Constitution of the United States. That's right. Tomorrow marks uh i think it's uh boy 236 or something like that anyway i I don't remember the exact number but it marks um the anniversary of the the uh creation of our most precious founding document the constitution of the united states it is also citizenship day where um both are put together as one holiday um but uh but yeah and (laughs) oh the the joker over on rumble three chevy asks does that document behind you have rounded corners not in that format no not in the original format the original format doesn't have rounded corners like this fantastic copy right here but we'll get to that in just a moment to begin i am drinking because I'm feeling patriotic today. I am drinking 1776 bourbon by James and Pepper. It is a straight bourbon whiskey. No, it is not Kentucky bourbon whiskey, but it is a bourbon whiskey nonetheless. And, of course, I am drinking it out of my We The People Lucky Shot USA.com. It's where you can get this. You can't see it very well, but it says we the people and it has a flag right here on the front. Maybe if I get closer, you might be able to see it. Yeah, there it is. Just a little bit. Yeah, you can kind of see it. But uh, but anyway. So. <laughs> mm. Obviously, um, obviously people have noticed. Yes, I am a little lighter in the hair department <laughs> tonight. <laughs> I finally went and got a haircut. Um, no, it was it is not a flat top. 
Unfortunately, Mrs. Whiskey will not let me have a flat top anymore. I did have one while I was in the service. I will tell you that much. Um, I did have one back then. I personally, I think they're kind of sharp myself, but that's just me. Anyway, um, but no, this is not a flat top. Not a flat top, but uh, it certainly lightened the load for the hat and everything, trying to keep the hat on. (laughs) Anyway... Um, all right, so let's go ahead and get some things kicked off here. First of all, I, I do, I redid a little bit of how I do stuff, so I might get a little lost during the, um, during the program, but let me go ahead and see how this thing goes. So first of all, we're going to talk about the Institute on the Constitution. The Institute on the Constitution was established in 2004 as a 501c3 nonprofit with one, one singular mission to restore the constitutional republic through grassroots education. All courses and materials are developed using the primary source documents and taught from the American view of law and government as defined in the Declaration of Independence and the following three key points. One, there is a God. Two, our rights come from him. And three, the purpose of civil government is to secure and protect our God-given rights. The IOTC offers the opportunity to educate yourself on our most precious founding document, the Constitution of the United States. They also provide tools to educate your community and get involved with local government. Start by taking their free U.S. Constitution course and go from there. Use my affiliate link, IOTC.WhiskeyMusings.Online, to sign up and while you are there take a moment to look through their other course material and information my affiliate link once again is iotc.whiskeymusings.online to get great content to learn about our historical founding and support the show in the process that's iotc.whiskeymusings.online or here we go this is this is the this is the precious thing or if you would like to purchase this fabulous saddleback, a leather-bound U.S. Constitution with its rounded corners, its uh, water-resistant paper, and its fantastic binding that goes all the way through the book, its 100-year warranty against defects in manufacturing and workmanship, you can go to constitution.whiskeymusings.online in order to pick this up. This is buddy tested, buddy approved. It's Billy tested, Billy approved. It is also my youngest whiskey warrior tested and approved as well. Do me a favor, head on over to constitution.whiskeymusings.online and purchase one of these and support the show in the process. And don't forget to go and check out iotc.whiskeymusings.online for all of their other course material and information. Um, Do me a favor, go and check out the Institute on the Constitution today. All right, folks. Oh, boy. Well, you know, I've been kind of busy today um, doing some other projects and things like that. But one thing that did pop up on multiple, multiple, multiple occasions is everybody talking, everyone talking about Joe Biden and his age. 
Now, the funny thing about this whole thing is that, you know, the Democrats seem to think that it's an age issue. It's an actual like age thing. The that we Americans, everyday Americans, myself and as well as all of you, that we all seem to think that age is the issue. Well, I've got some things for you tonight about that. I also have um, some other information as well, and I've got two two questions for Whiskey tonight, as well as launching into a little bit of information, of course, about our Constitution, a little bit more um, later on in the program about the Constitution, because of the fact that tomorrow is Constitution Day, and you should take some time to pull yours out and read it on Constitution Day if you can. Uh, okay, let's get on to, oh, I'm going to do two, um, of, for the, um, uh, for on this day in American history, of course, because of Constitution Day tomorrow. So let's get into it. And of course, for on this day in American history, We read from the American Patriots Almanac, written by William J. Bennett and John T.E. Cribb, chock full of all kinds of little factoids about this fantastic country that was founded many, many years ago. And uh, the, of course, the the document that had that we currently live under today. It wasn't the first one, wasn't the first one. They made some mistakes in the beginning, but, uh, you know, they corrected them in the second, and that's what we deal with today. But, so today's date is September 16th, and so here is uh, today's, the first of the two. So they committed themselves to the will of God and resolved to proceed. On September 16th, 1620. September 6th, by the old-style calendar, the Pilgrims boarded the Mayflower and set sail from Plymouth, England, for the New World. 102 passengers, plus crew, crowded onto the tiny ship, which probably measured about 100 feet long and 25 feet wide. William Bradford, longtime governor of the Plymouth Colony, left us a flavor of the perilous two-month voyage across the Atlantic in his book of Plymouth Plantation. After they had enjoyed fair winds and weather for a season, they encountered many times with cross winds and met with many fierce storms with which the ship was shroudly, wickedly shaken, and her upper works made very very leaky, and in one of the main beams in the midship was bowed and cracked, which put them in for some fear that the ship could not be able to perform the voyage. But in examining of all opinions, the master and others affirmed they knew the ship to be strong and firm under water, and for the buckling of the main beam there was a great iron screw the passengers had brought out of Holland, which would raise the beam into his place. The which being done, the carpenter and master affirmed 
they uh, that with a post put under it, set firm in the lower deck and otherwise bound, he would make it sufficient. And as for the decks and upper works, they would cock them as well as they could. And though with the working of the ship, they would not long keep staunch, yet there would otherwise be no great danger. If they... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. He did not overpress her with the sails. So they committed themselves to the will of God and resolved to proceed. Now that entry is, is actually a part of the book where he's talking about where they were questioning whether or not they wanted to continue. And, um, you know, obviously they did. And we, in terms of America, are all the better for it. All right. So, because tomorrow is such a momentous education here, or so <laughs> momentous, a momentous occasion, not education, but occasion. Here we go. The signing of the Constitution. September 17, 1787, brought a world-changing event. The signing of the United States Constitution. The day dawned clear and chilly in Philadelphia, where delegates from the 13 states had spent a long, hot summer writing and debating the new Constitution for their young country. They assembled in Independence Hall and listened as their work was read aloud one last time. Then they heard an address from old Benjamin Franklin, who urged them all to sign the document. Franklin was too frail to make his speech, so another delegate read it for him. Thirty-eight delegates filed forward to put their names at the bottom of the Constitution. George Washington signed as pre- as first as president of the convention. The other delegates signed in geographical order from north to south, starting with New Hampshire and ending with Georgia. Franklin was helped forward from his seat, and it was reported that he wept as he signed. Their work done, the delegates closed the Constitutional Convention, and the document was sent to the states to be ratified. In writing the Constitution, the Founding Fathers launched a daring experiment. The idea that a free people could begin a new country by designing their own government and writing down the laws and principles they would follow had never been tried before.
The Constitution had guaranteed freedom, equality, opportunity, and justice to hundreds of millions of people. It is the oldest written Constitution still in effect and has become a model for nations around the world. It is, as Great Britain's Prime Minister William Gladstone called it, the most wonderful work ever struck off at a given time by the brain and purpose of man. And that, my friends, is on this day and tomorrow, so tomorrow's day in American history. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to understand that this country came about because of the fact that we had strong-willed individuals who were willing to put forth what was right, proper, and just. We've lost that as a country, for the most part. There are those of you who are out there, listeners within the sound of my voice, of course, that still believe as I do, that this is the greatest country to ever grace the face of the earth, that it was founded with the ideal uh, and ideals and principles that we all together um, strive for. It's not a perfect world. And our actions are not always perfect either. But as long as we keep those ideals and those principles within our hearts and within our minds and we move forward with the idea that we will one day achieve the perfection that those principles and ideals are pushing. We need to understand that this is what America is all about. This is what America is all about. To understand the thought processes of those people and how they believed in justice, equality, equal opportunity in terms of all peoples, not just white people, not just men over women. That may have been where it was at the time, but that wasn't the principles that were put into the document. It started off with a essentially three words that included everybody. We, the people. And it's that that we need to understand, that it's not just white people. It's not just male people. It's we, the people. It's all of us. It's everyone. All colors, all creeds, all manner of individuals who, had, who came here with the ideal and understanding that government itself, government itself is not supposed to be in charge of us. That we, the people, are in charge of it. We granted it these powers 
that are outlined and enumerated in the Constitution itself. We granted that government those powers. Not that the government would overrule us. And this is part of the principles and the processes which started the entire thing. And then following along shortly thereafter, we had the first 10 amendments known as the Bill of Rights, which again were designed to guarantee the fence by which government would be allowed to operate within in terms of not stomping on the rights and will of the people. That's what Constitution Day is about, is to celebrate a historical, never-before-done, by a lot of people saying the great experiment, that is this great country and this great land that we live in today. I've got more on that in just a few minutes. But... We got to talk about good old Joe. <laughs> oh, gosh. Hmm. Have you guys heard? Joe's no longer Catholic or Protestant or Episcopalian or whatever it was that he claimed that he was. Joe Biden has decided that he is now <laughs> Jewish. <laughs> He's Jewish. Oh, check this out. This is, I'm sorry. I, you know, I shouldn't be laughing. I mean, this guy, this guy's honestly, he's got some cognitive ability issues here, but it's just, it's so sad. It's, it's funny. Anyway, according to PJ media, um, Biden is Jewish again. And what will he become next is the title, but apparently he was, um, he was uh, doing a conversation or, or he was on a call with a, with a bunch of rabbis. Um, and he told them weekly, in other words, weekly as in weak in strength. He told them that, uh, you know, you might say that I was raised <clears throat> uh, in the uh, uh, synagogues of my state. You think I'm kidding. I'm not. Now. Just so anybody knows, okay, whenever Joe Biden says it's not a joke, it's not hyperbole, it's not, um, you know, so on and so forth. If, if he ever says that stuff, I guarantee you what he's talking about is definitely a lie. Okay? Those are his tells. I would love to play poker with the man. <laughs> I really would. Because... He's got so many verbal cues and ticks and tells that it's just not, I mean, uh, it's just, it's, it's sad really because he's so readable when it comes to this stuff. But as I've told you on this program before, he, um, he, he has to insert himself into whatever situation that it's, that he's in. So you'll recall when he was in front of a group of Puerto Ricans, he talked about being raised by a Puerto Rican. When he's in front of the, you know, any kind of black Americans, he needs to talk about his, uh, you know, non-existent civil rights activities. When he um, was t- 
talking in a uh, large semi-truck plant. He has to talk about how he used to drive a semi, even though he's never, ever, ever driven one that to all of known history. When he's in front of um, people who had cancer, he had to talk about how he lived down the street from a, um, had to live uh, that he lived down the street from a from a plant that apparently kicked out so much, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, chemicals and things like that, and he ended up getting cancer. Um, you know, when it's the military, he's got to talk about his son Bo, who died not in the military, not in action. Um, but did- hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little, actually a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It die, you know, afterward of uh, some complications, some medical complications. Um... He continually has to insert himself into these situations and he has to, it's, it's a, it's a, yeah, he's, he's got a, he's got a cognitive problem where he has to come up with, and and it's almost to the point of like, it's like a a one-uppance kind of thing. Like if you say something to him and you say, Hey, you know what? Um, I ran for four touchdowns in a, uh, you know, in my college days, then he'll come back and he'll talk about how he, uh, you know, played football and, you know, but back then they didn't have pads or, or whatever. I mean, he'll just come up with any kind of lie that he possibly can. And this is typically by some doctor's accounts, this is typically an indication of someone who is slowly losing their cognitive function so that they just make up a story or a memory out of thin air because they literally don't have any to draw on and what they'll do, what their mind will do as part of this activity is the mind will create fantasy and fiction out of whatever information it has available right in front of it. And so this is, you know, this is something, this is something that is an indication that he's, he's not exactly all there. I mean, let's just face it. He's not all there. But the funny thing is, is that the conversations with regards to this, okay, is the fact that um, so many people, especially on the left, say that the right is talking about his age. Now, granted, the man is, you know, going to be 80, or, or he is 80, I should say. He he would be, you know, 86 by the time he would leave 
office, I think, is is the current count. I could be wrong on that. I'm not going to deny that. But they, you know, the, the talk is about the age. Talk is about his age. Now, Trump, Trump's only three years um, behind him. Trump's 77. Okay. So I, I'm just going to throw this out here. When we say age, we're talking about cognitive ability. When we say age, we are talking about mental acuity. Because when you look at when you look at the two of them, when you look at Donald Trump and Joe Biden, there is a clear clear and concise difference between the two. And I you know, I'm going to just throw this out here too. I've known several octogenarians out there who have a clear and concise grasp of their cognitive functions. Not that I want to call her out on the carpet necessarily, but my mother is more cognitively aware with it than Joe Biden is. I, you know, she's, she's traveling the world right now. She's heading over to um, Scotland and Ireland, I think for, for a trip. Um, And she's, you know, she's having a blast doing it or whatever. But the point being though, is that Joe Biden is when we question his age, we are using age with um with the idea that it's actually talking about his mental faculties his cognitive abilities and that's the problem but hey we're we're couching it or couching it into the the words age now it's kind of interesting but Apparently, we're not the only ones, meaning that the uh, the Republicans or the conservatives or the Magats or any of those other weird names that people want to give us. Apparently, there's an overwhelming majority of Americans that say that Biden is too old to be effective in a second term. And this poll, um, according to this report by Fox News, this poll is an Associated Press NORC, N-O-R-C, poll found that 70% or 77% rather of Americans say Biden is too old to carry out a second term. And, you know, obviously they say it's unsurprising that, you know, nearly 90% of Republicans express sentiment, express the sentiment. Almost 70% of Democrats are also saying that Biden is no longer up to the task. In fact, I don't know if anybody's even noticed, but there's a there was a gentleman, um, David Ignatius, I think. Anyway, he uh, he writes for the Washington Post, and he put in a um, a, an opinion piece here just a couple days ago, yesterday or the day before that essentially um, stated that he thinks that Joe Biden needs to step aside. That not only Joe, (laughs) 
not only Joe, but Kamala Harris needs to as well, that they need to move out and allow for someone else to come in. And I just, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be fascinating to watch folks, the closer that we get to 2024 and the election, the faster and the, the closer that we get, the, the faster and more negative, I think we're going to see the Democrats, uh, the Democrats start to turn on this man. And especially because of all of his, all of his, uh, issues now with the legal issues with both his son and of course at the moment um the impending impeachment inquiry that realistically in my opinion is like been way long overdue but whatever um so so anyway um but the white house has gone into spin mode just like they always do uh, they always, you know, they obviously they're covering up for their boss and, uh, which is rightfully true, but there's this piece in the, uh, Washington examiner and bring this up white house defends Biden from age question. And of course this is spin, um, spin queen herself, Karine Jean-Pierre, our wonderful press secretary. Um, she, she apparently was asked a question about it and her answer um was 80s the new 40 didn't you hear yeah um (laughs) i don't think so but anyway she said it and uh she said in 2019 he got the same criticism in 2020 he got the same criticism in 2022 he got the same criticism and every time he beats the naysayers no he sweetheart i don't know what you're smoking I'm, i'm just or you know shooting up or whatever it is. I mean, I don't know, maybe you're using the cocaine that was found in the white house, um, over July 4th, but maybe you're the one that was the culprit, but, uh, yeah, he is not doing that well. He's not doing the great. I mean, I mean, just this past weekend, you know, a week ago, he did a whole bunch of gaffes. He always gets lost. He's, uh, you know, he talks about going to bed. Um, he, has troubles with remembering things and, and I'll admit pronouncing things is a little difficult, but, uh, you know, considering the fact that I, I messed up pronunciations a lot as well. Um, but yeah, he is just having a hard time and, and yes, it is Washington post columnist, David Ignatius, uh, who apparently said, and this is kind of paraphrasing, but wrote in his opinion column. I tried to find the opinion column, by the way, but I, I couldn't I couldn't find it, which is really weird. But um, but anyway, he wrote that this he wrote this week that Biden should not contest the 2024 election. By that, I mean, he shouldn't. I, I believe what he means is that he shouldn't be a part of the 2024 election, arguing that the president risks underdoing his greatest achievement, which was stopping Trump. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Um, The columnist continued by writing, quote, Biden has in many ways remade himself as president. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Yeah, he's remade himself because he's just following wherever the wind is blowing. (laughs) But anyway, um, he is no uh, continuing the quote. He is no longer the garrulous uh, glad hander 
I met when I first covered Congress more than four decades ago. Well, obviously, you're a Biden sycophant there, buddy. Um, Yeah, and he continues on. Biden's age isn't just a Fox News trope. It's been the subject of dinner table conversations across America this summer, he added. So, I mean, obviously, the left is starting to see... um, is starting to see that their chosen one is having some serious problems. Now, that by itself is a big indicator that we may be looking at something very different and very soon with regards to Joe Biden. Now, Dan Bongino's been talking about this. He's in the camp where he actually believes that... um, Joe Biden's not going to be the nominee. Now, uh, I'll be honest with you. I am, I'm starting to lean that direction myself only because of the fact that first of all, technically he hasn't like came out. And my understanding is his papers have not been filed yet either. And so he's, he's kind of, in that limbo space right now where they're trying to determine what's going to happen to him. And, uh, you know, it very well could be that he would not be the nomination. But as I've pointed out in this program, I don't really see a very deep bench. In fact, I honestly don't even see anybody in the bullpen who would be uh, an effective leader to be able to step out and clean the game up for him. In other words, clean up his next four years in order to um, take out any opposition and make it to where the destruction of America is, is complete as he keeps coining the phrase, we need to finish the job. There's a lot of questions as to what that job actually is that he is looking at trying to, um, uh, trying to, (laughs) trying to finish, but whatever. Um, anyway, there are some other indications too, that age isn't the issue here and that Joe Biden himself, even on his insiders are potentially, um, looking at, at possibly finding another avenue to escape. This just popped from the daily caller which I found incredibly interesting. Uh, Apparently in some swing states, some swing state pollings, Trump is, well, the title is surging past Biden. I don't think it's really a surge, but it is an indicator though, that the polls are starting to shift in a, in a fairly slow methodical manner. Um, But honestly, I mean, this is, this is the better way to go. I, I would rather have Trump come out of the gate kind of slow and then finish strong um, rather than, you know, Biden coming out of the gate really slow and finishing strong. Oh, I really don't see that happening with, with Joe. But according to the piece, um, there were the states that had a narrow margin of victory. Um which were the last election cycle, which were uh, cycle, which were Arizona, Georgia, obviously, um, Michigan, Nevada, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, with Biden winning all but North Carolina. Um, across those states, 
right now, when polled, Trump is ahead of Biden, 41% to 35%, with 24% of voters remaining undecided, according to the Reuters Ipsos poll that just came out. Um, among independent voters, the former president also is holding a slight advantage over Biden, according to the poll. Trump received 32% support among dependents compared to Biden's 30, with 38% being undecided. Uncertain voters favored Biden over Trump at 49% to 38%. So even though you know, we have those undecided voters starting to sort of shift and go toward um, Trump's way, we're still seeing the undecided voters still kind of hanging on to Biden. And honestly, that's that's where the focus should be for these for the Trump team. The Trump team needs to start focusing on those independent voters, because, you know, when you have situations like this, and I know I've I made a couple comments a, a couple episodes ago that some people might have taken um, a, a little offense to. But but this is the thing is that when you have two candidates who and setting aside the whole, you know, sycophantic groupie kind of idea. OK, um, and by that, I don't mean anything negative or bad about it. I just mean there's there's people who have already jumped into the Trump, Trump, Trump camp, okay? And they would vote for him no matter what. And that's perfectly fine. For him, it's probably running around, you know, 38 to 40% uh, of, of just average everyday voters. And then you have the Biden camp, which, of course, those folks are... Biden is not Trump for the most part. And so they jump in and say, Biden, Biden, Biden. For those that have done that, though, they're missing. And and they, too, are running probably around the 35 to 40 percentile. So what you have essentially in this particular case, we have a situation where we have two candidates who obviously there's the people that love them and hang on to them and will also um, you know, make sure they're they're just going to vote for he for for their chosen candidate, no matter what. Um, it's the the when you have these kinds of situations, it's the independent voters that actually end up deciding the whole thing. And if you can woo those independent voters. If you can woo those independent voters and get them those undecideds, the people that haven't quite or maybe have a hang up on certain things like, for an example, they may have just as an example against Trump. There's a lot of independents, I think, that still believe the mainstream media and the whole thing about him supposedly making fun of a uh, disabled reporter or something. Um you know, again, these are and even though it's been debunked, there's still people out there who might even be independents who seem to believe, potentially believe that he did have some responsibility for January 6th. We all know that he doesn't, but 
you know, they they still have this belief that that is the case. And there's those who still in the independent camp don't quite believe that even though Hunter Biden have, um, you know, even though Hunter Biden has obviously broken the law, that they're not, you know, they don't necessarily believe that Joe was a part of it. And that the laptop, they still have the belief that the laptop, according to the 51 um, intelligence officers, that they're the ones that, that are the, you know, the truth tellers. And so, yeah, it's it was just created. They haven't quite figured it all out yet. And then there's those in the independent camp who honestly just, they just don't like either candidate. and. That's fine, too. But we need to figure out a way to woo those people. And we need to figure out a way to get those people to truly understand that what's coming up in 2024 is literally a choice between American constitutional republic or communism. And I'm seeing some things in the polls that are starting to come out now that are starting to look like they could be having a potential issue in the Biden camp. I'm not the only one, honestly, that's starting to see this. According to this piece on Fox News, Biden aides are actually terrified at Trump's prospects as the polls show the tight potential race, according to a report. Um, which, by the way, Fox says that the another Trump-Biden race would be the first White House rematch since 1956. Um, but apparently they are, you know, it's and it's not just his aides, by the way. It's like everybody on the left, all of the leftist sycophantic uh, people over there are reportedly terrified of losing to President Donald Trump. Uh, Which, you know, I mean, anybody, as I've said, anybody with a brain who understands economics and and believe and actually sees what this guy has been doing um, to our economy, to us on the world stage and everything else, anyone who is, in fact, a what would be considered a, quote, red-blooded American should not be voting for this guy. And I would love to see a landslide, very Reagan-esque, a landslide in order to really put these people in their place. Not quite sure it's going to happen yet. But, you know, obviously all the leftist polls are showing that there's no clear lead between the two candidates um, in a hypothetical rematch. Um, But that by itself is scary to those who are um, watching this thing because they know that close races, close races really are very, very difficult to interpret and win because of the um, because of the fickle nature, let's say, of 
the individuals that are involved, to the independent voters that are involved. And so not having even a remote amount of percentage points outside of the margin of error tends to make a lot of people very, very nervous. And I'll, I mean, they should be, they damn well should be Their Their president is, or the, you know, the current president is a garbage candidate. He's, uh, you know, having a, a heck of a time trying to make people. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Understand. He keeps, like, his his spin doctors keep trying to... um, keep trying to change things. I mean, I saw a post here today on X where he <laughs> he was comparing Bidenomics to what he called Maganomics. So they're just going and inventing these terms willy-nilly um for, you know, essentially no reason. They're just going around and and inventing these these terms, this terminology in the hopes that potentially they can get somebody who um, who essentially is, you know, going to believe that Bidenomics is actually doing something. And I've shown you multiple times on this program. I know that, the you know, economics and things like that um, you know, can tend to get a little boring. But I've shown you on this program, this this the economy is not good. Anybody that goes and buys gas or food or has to hunt around to find the money to get their rent every month knows this economy is not what the white house keeps putting out and um yeah so this is i mean the indication of all of these people the the leftist people in particular who are starting to ease people into the idea that maybe Biden isn't the greatest means that there's something else going on back here. And I, again, I don't see who the next person is going to be. Um, I, there were a couple of suggestions. I know that, that Gavin Newsom is a, is a possibility, but let's be honest after all of the stuff that he's done in California, I don't know if he's going to be the, um, the chosen one, let's say, um, but we'll see. Uh, we'll have to see, but it's certainly going to set us up for a very, uh, interesting campaign season for sure. And of course, Biden's woes and the, the 
presentation of things, uh, especially when we're talking about, for an example, Hunter Biden's woes. Well, this is another poll that came out, and I saw this one, and I was like, wow, there's still 25% of the country that believes that he... Anyway, uh, this in the national polls, just 26% of Americans believe that Joe Biden did not personally profit from his son Hunter's Hunter Biden's business foreign dealings or foreign business dealings. Sorry, I got those words backwards uh, in Ukraine, China, Russia and Kazakhstan, according to new polling data, which was a Yahoo News survey conducted by YouGov and indicates that 41 percent of Americans believe that Biden received millions of dollars from his son's business interests, while 33 percent remain unsure of the accusations. Now, obviously, I've gone through multiple times um, with this. Uh, you know, I've talked about this a lot. And if you really do think that Joe Biden did not benefit from Hunter Biden's um, influence peddling scheme, even if Joe wasn't involved. I mean, let's just even, you know, if we were to go and give Joe the benefit of the doubt, we can't. Because I'm telling you that that Joe knew, and not only that, but I actually even believe that Obama knew, um, especially when the when the vice president was in play. But even if we give Joe the benefit of the doubt, he had to know because Hunter wasn't really. I mean, I would consider it suspicious if my son got picked up by a oil company in a foreign country. And my son has literally no experience in oil whatsoever as to why he would be a part of a board of directors over there. So I just, I I can't, I, I can't understand these people who seem to think that, first of all, there's no, you know, and then, of course, he goes in and gets Joe on the phone. I mean, it's come on, come on, folks. He gets Joe on the phone. They talk about the weather. Really? Um, but anyway, it, it's just, this is, we're going to eventually see a beating of essentially dead horses between, you know, Donald Trump and the fake um, trials or his his criminal prosecutions and everything else that's going on. And, of course, the fact that Hunter Biden didn't do anything wrong. Joe Biden didn't know about anything that Hunter Biden did anything wrong, so on and so forth. And um, and yes, Amy, he did. He traveled on Air Force Two. She asks, uh, didn't Hunter travel on Air Force Two to these countries with his dad? He absolutely did. Absolutely did. And that's part of the problem is that it's, you know, it was a it was a show of. Um, influence and power and so on and so forth that was there for that. And it's not just those kinds of things that we're going to see coming up. Okay, folks. So the spin doctors again are out in force. So check this out in just the news fact checkers, which all right, we know fact checkers are not fact checkers. They're opinion based. Even Facebook admitted that folks. <laughs> I mean, let's just put it out there. But anyway, 
They apparently revised the narrative on Biden's role in firing the Ukraine prosecutor as new evidence emerges. So the Washington Post new now cites the State Department documents recently made public concedes that Biden may have called an audible in threatening to withhold the loan guarantee um, to force the firing of Victor Shokin. Okay, this right here has nothing to do with Joe Biden. Okay, them changing the narrative is anticipating, kind of like playing chess, okay, but anticipating that eventually they're going to come to the conclusion that Obama knew about Joe Biden's dealings. So this is not protecting Joe Biden. Joe Biden is a corrupt individual. Everybody knows everybody in his inner circle has known he's been corrupt. He's been corrupt for 40 years while he was in the Senate. Um, he's been you know, corrupt ever since he started his political run. There's there's articles and things that you can research and come up with back when he was even just in the state, the Delaware state. Um, I believe it's the Senate. And this entire time, you know, they are going to attempt to try and prevent it from going beyond just Joe Biden. They have to figure out a way to protect um, Obama because Obama was the president at the time. That's what they, that's what they have to protect. That's who they have to protect. And so, yeah, Obama had to know as, as three Chevy over on rumble says, Obama had to know he did. I'm sure he did. I'm, I'm fairly certain he did it. Um, but they have to protect him. The, the spin doctors have to protect Obama in, in all cases. All right. This is just going to continue to get worse, folks. It really is. I mean, you're going to see all kinds of spin, all kinds of, well, what is evidence? You're going to see, you know, well, you don't actually see exact money transferring from Hunter. You know, Hunter didn't actually write him a specific check. That you can take. So that's considered, you know, that's that's not the evidence that's considered. We've already seen that. We've seen that on CNN and MSNBC and, every, uh, you know, all of the left. They're all saying because they're squirming. They're squirming under the microscope that's being brought to focus on Joe Biden and his corrupt business dealings being in um being in public office for as long as he has. All right. Uh, let's see. Let me tell you just a little bit about my other organization, True Grit Roots Network. 11 blues lovers have come together to create a dedicated 24-7 blues channel from the True Grit Roots Network. Join the real Lady A, Gina Coleman from Misty Blues, Big Daddy Ray Hansen, Jeff Hayes, Holly Harris, Angela Easley, Vinnie Marini, Amber Burhill, Ray Brown, Memphis Mark, and, of course, our CEO, 
Jonathan Oogie Richards as they share the blues with you every week with original first-run shows from the TGRN Blues Channel. Show calendars and more information can be found at tgrn.net. Breaking boundaries for authentic Roots Radio, True Grit Roots Network, tgrn.net, Austin, Texas. And of course, full disclosure, I am a part owner in that organization. All right. So another narrative that seems to be um, falling apart, by the way, is this whole thought process of um, systemic racism. So I saw this article pop. Now, this is in the New York Post. This is actually, just so you understand, this this article as and, and situation has been a long time in development. Okay. So it's not just, it's not just that this popped immediately, but it's taken a long time, um, for it to get there. And yeah, I just think it's, it's indicative of the entire thought process of like the whole CRT crowd, um, that's out there. So check this out. Professor, this is in the New York Post. Professor was fired for uh, faking data to prove that lynching makes whites want longer sentences for blacks. And apparently he had six of his studies or research papers that he had submitted. They were retracted. Now, this is a Florida State University criminology professor, Eric Stewart. And he was... Um, touted a lot by being a guru of the claim that systemic racism infests America's police and American society. Now, anyone with a brain can go out and take a look at the um, statistics and data with this. There is no evidence, no clear evidence that states that police are going out and specifically targeting blacks or that police are going out and um, treating blacks differently. Now, that being said, there are cases, individual cases where this does happen. Not denying that. However, as a overall systemic situation, that isn't the case. The, the data does not support this at all, at all. Okay. Um, but apparently he is now out of a job based off of an extreme, based on an account of extreme negligence in his research. Um, he was fired after almost 20 years of his data, including figures used in, a, in an explosive study, which claimed that legacy, the legacy of lynchings made whites perceive black as, blacks as criminals and that the problem was worse among conservatives were completely found <laughs> to be in question. Okay. College authorities said that he was being fired for incompetence and fake results. Now, I want to show you a picture of this gentleman. There he is. There is his photograph. And if you're on the audio portion of the program, head on over to Rumble. Go to uh, rumble.com and search up the Whiskey Musings broadcast, and you can watch me over there for free. Um, and get a get a visual view of all this stuff. Um, but anyway, he 
he falsified, supposedly falsified um, uh, research and data. And uh, one of his students, it was a former graduate student, his name is Justin Pickett, actually blew the whistle. So this is after four, this is four years after this uh, occurred, after it was first reported. Okay. Um, yeah, he, he supposedly had six of his papers pulled for that, uh, as well. And Pickett had said that they had worked together in 2011, researching whether the public was demanding longer sentences for black and Hispanic criminals as those minority populations grew with the paper claiming that they did, but, um, that Stewart had actually fiddled with the sample size to deliver the result when the real research did not show that. Um, yeah. And when the investigated, uh, investigation started in 2020, uh, Stewart had claimed that he was the victim and that Pickett had essentially lynched me and my academic character. So after 16 years of, as a professor of criminology at Florida state university in Tallahassee, um, James Clark formally notified Stewart that he was being terminated in a July 13th letter. So again, this and this, by the way, is the is the former grad student, uh, Justin Pickett, who blew the whistle on him. Um, So anyway, this it's it's stuff like this. And folks, look, it's stuff like this that calls into question um, everything that people, you know, think and believe you end up with situations like this and it's just easier to go ahead and be a, you know, be honest with people, be open and honest and, and forthright because trying to do this, eventually the truth is going to come out. It, it honestly is. And, uh, even if it's 10 years, 20 years later, it's still going to come out and everything that you do is going to come into question. Well, the problem is, though, that people believe this man and 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 others like him, like, for an example, Katanji Brown Jackson, who is apparently pushing the United States to address uncomfortable lessons about race. Now, there's no denying at all that we had um, a checkered past when it comes to things like this. There's no denying that. But I believe we've made great strides in, again, upholding, as I started the program, upholding the ideals and the focus and the principles and values of things such as equality and equal opportunity and making sure that all people, we, the people, can all be together as a part of this. Okay? Um, but anyway, she apparently uh, was in was in a, uh, doing a speech, sorry, in Birmingham, Alabama yesterday. And, uh, she encouraged people to address and confront uncomfortable lessons about race. Um, she wrote a dissent, obviously in a recent Supreme court ruling that restricted the race conscious admission practices. You remember that one, um, that had to deal with Harvard and, um, can't remember the other Ivy League school that was admonished for this. Um, But anyway, um, she had written the dissent and said in that dissent that some history, U.S. history lessons are hard to think about, but are often the ones that need remembering. Well, 
You know, I've got a question for, I hate to say this, um, Judge Jackson. She uh, probably advocated for tearing down statues and things like that that um, would have put in front of the American public the very things that she was talking about and uh, that she is trying and attempting to... um, to put in front of the American people. And so, yeah, it just, uh, uh, it's just these, these people just, they, they, they are pushing an agenda. That's really what they're doing is they are pushing an agenda and that agenda has to fit a narrative and the narrative can be manipulated in any kind of way possible in order to make the narrative fit with the agenda. And so it's it's really fascinating to watch because once you see it, you can't unsee it. You can see a little bit of what is happening within like the the sensational headlines. It's sort of like taking a headline and then reading down into the article and finding out that the headline was realistically only allowed or, or only written to grab your attention and make you read the article. It's no different than advertising. You know, advertising is designed to get something stuck into your head or make something visually appealing and make it so that it gets it gets in your brain and then the next time you see it, your mind automatically associates that uh, rem- uh, that memory of what you saw or what, what you were um, stimulated by in order to make you purchase the product. That's essentially what's, you know, what advertising is. And it doesn't have to necessarily be subliminal. Um, It it can be overt and still affect you. Um, But that's what these folks are trying to do is they're trying to pound it into your head over and over and over again. You know, America is systemically racist. Here's some studies that prove it. And yet all those studies that that um, professor published are now coming into question because of the fact that they, you know, he doctored the data, which is something that I keep telling people, look, believe what you're being told, but double check, go and verify everything. Don't just take everything at face value, go and verify what's going on. Fact check everything. Double check, get two and three different sources of information to try and understand what is going on with all of this. And, you know, you, I I guarantee I've, I've told my kids this. It's like when you go and you make a claim, you better have your facts in a row, better have everything all lined up just right to make sure that you are in the correct position, because if you're not, things can get really, really ugly, really, really fast. I mean, think about it this way. If I were to come to you every, you know, twice a week and just tell you things that I pulled out of my rear end, okay, and didn't back it up with the receipts, as Joe, or as uh, Dan Bongino likes to say, and didn't back it up with, with the evidence, the facts, that the presenting of the documents that are out there, I wouldn't have an audience. You guys wouldn't be here. You would eventually say, ah, that guy, 
I mean, unless, of course, I'm like telling you right away, say constantly that it's an April Fool's joke or that that's that's the purpose of the channel. That's a little bit different story. But I'm sitting here trying to prevent or trying to present facts and evidence to you to support a particular viewpoint. It happens to be my viewpoint. And so I tend to try and find articles and things that have supporting evidence in order to go ahead and do that. Now, I'm not a, a journalist by any sense of the word, but I'm, I'm an opinion host. Um, but that being said, my opinion needs to be formulated on facts and truth, not a, not um, a perspective of the truth, but an actual truth. And so that's part of the reason why we get together and we, we, you know, I go through and we talk about these kinds of things. Okay. Uh, let me see. Let me just take a quick look through here. I want to see if I've got, um, there's a few other articles here. Um, oh, before I go too much farther, I do want to say that, um, it is great by the way. And if, I don't know if anybody um, knows this or not, but um, where is it? Oh, yes. Um, Texas AG Ken Paxton today, today, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, three Chevy. Um, like I said, he's the jokester of the group over there on Rumble. He says, pull it out of your rear end. You better have papers. He put up a toilet paper roll. <laughs> Oh, anyway, that's great. I love it. All right. Um, Ken Paxton down in Texas, he was the uh, the attorney general down there, famous for um, bucking a little bit of Joe Biden's uh, uh, executive orders and things like that. But he was acquitted today of 16 counts um, of his impeachment charges. Now, originally there were 20. Um, but four of them got voted against in in procedural issues prior to the um, the actual impeachment trial. And so he was only um, facing 16 counts, according to reports, but all 16, which, by the way, these are some of the these are some of the um, charges that he had levied levied against him. Um, disregard of official duty misappropriation or sorry, misapplication of public resources, um, constitutional bribery, false statements in official records, conspiracy and attempted conspiracy, dereliction of duty, unfitness for office and abuse of public trust. Um, so he, <laughs> he was, um, not present for the verdict, according to reports, and his wife, which, by the way, that's his his wife is uh, a senator down there. Uh, senator Angela Paxton was also prohibited from voting in it. Um, so of the 16 counts, he was acquitted on all charges. So he can go back to work now. Uh, he was off. According to reports, he was he was uh, off without pay. Um, for that time. So, uh, for the time during the, um, for the time during the investigation, et cetera, et cetera. 
So congratulations to him. I mean, it's that's great um, that he ended up getting uh, acquitted for that. Which, um, which the other the other thing was that uh, it was originally a group of Democrats along with some Republicans down there who um, who essentially uh, started this in to- total process. Um, but anyway, so congratulations to him. I actually, I mean, I don't really know a lot about the case because it wasn't something that I was necessarily following, but, um, it's, if, if justice is going to be done, that's fantastic for him, um, for that. Okay. So, um, I want to get in cause I've got a couple questions for whiskey. So let me go ahead and get that started. And yep. Okay. Let me go ahead and get that started. Hold on. And tonight's questions for whiskey comes from, I've got two of them. The first one comes from uh, outlaw dogs and she asks, Hey whiskey, what are the qualifications to becoming a member of the press? Are there standards? Do you have to go to school for a degree or if you capture news, uh, can you just report it and be a member of the press? Okay. So to answer this question, number one, we live in America. So each country has its own definitions, so on and so forth. But here in America, yes, we have a, what is called a free press. Okay. So, you don't necessarily have to be a part of any kind of association or anything else. In fact, there's several independent journalists that are out there that are quite good. That being said, it does not hurt for you to have either association with a um, like press club, press group, Um, something, you know, some sort of an association or membership within one of those organizations, or even going so far as to being a part of one of the larger news organizations that we have, um, say, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, those kinds of things in order to bring credibility to what you are trying to do. Now, as an independent news journalist, or even a freelance news journalist, um, you may not be asked uh, to come into certain places, say the White House or something along those lines. So even though you're not necessarily required to have any kind of credential, like there's no law, there's no um, legal means or anything else, it definitely helps if you have some professional organizations. One such professional organization that is touted a lot um, and is all put together, uh, you know, in in many cases, is the um, National Press Photographers Association. And if you are, um, if you're a photographer, being a part of this organization can gain you some kind of credibility when it comes to certain organizations and certain places where you may want to go. But in other words, no, you don't necessarily need to have a, a membership into this 
organization in order to be a member of the press. You can be an individual journalist. Just keep in mind that if, generally speaking, if you try to get gain access to the White House as a member of the press, you're probably not going to do so well if you say, I'm from, you know, podunk, uh, Kansas, um, fresh out of college journalist. <laughs> I mean, I, I highly doubt you're, you're going to, um, uh, you're going to be able to make it into the press corps at the white house for, for that purpose. So even though, again, technically it's not, you don't necessarily have to have credentials. Um, it is nice to, um, to have some organization or some larger organization, uh, in your back pocket and have identification for that. Um, that being said, don't be surprised if you start to see some of these larger organizations like, um, CNN and, uh, those kinds of places. If you start to see, you know, some of these larger organizations losing viewership and everything else, making way for the independent journalists. I mean, Andy No, uh, his last name is, uh, NGO. He is an independent journalist out of Portland, Oregon, and he has, gotten some incredible scoops and incredible stories. And he is not part of any kind of what I would consider a formal news organization, but he has um, been able to, to um, come up with present and um, back up his, his ability to scoop people quite a bit. And so that is just, it's, it's hard work. Um, to do that, but you, it's certainly not impossible. So it is entirely possible for you to do that. Not only that, but some organizations like, um, you know, places that have, uh, press junkets, um, private businesses that want to, uh, tout their products or have some sort of, a, you know, um, like a conference going on or whatever, and they want members of the press there, they may ask you to register for those events as a member of the press corps. And they might have some, you know, um, code of ethics or certain rules that you have to follow. Like for an example, I saw one where if you registered as a member of the press corps, you couldn't go around soliciting any of the individuals at the event kind of thing. Um, you could ask them questions and things like that, but you, you weren't supposed to be there to like job hunt um, or, or recruit for that if you were going in as a member of the press. So um yeah, so you can be an independent. You can definitely be an independent reporter if that's what you want to be. Okay, question number two uh, comes from Buddy Weiser. And he says, I hope this finds you well and your ship of life is in full sail, my friend. Well, thank you for that. I'm kind of hoping that it is too. Although I'm, I'll be honest, I'm probably on the backside end of that full sail, so I'm, you know my ship of life. But anyway, <laughs> uh, he says, my question is, do the so-called sanctuary cities acquire additional electoral votes um, due to their increase in population? Uh, doesn't the U.S. census factor into this process somehow? Thanks. And I remain Buddy Weiser. Well, of course you remain Buddy Weiser. Um, but anyway, to answer your question, yes, the census does factor into the process. So if you'll know, um, if you'll note in 2020, we had our decade 
um, census. So every decade, so 2020, the next one will be in 2030, um, we have what's called the U.S. Census, and they send out these forms and they get people to answer questions and so on and so forth. Um, they, it is a constitutional requirement to count how many people are in the U.S., whether they are citizens or not, um, within each state because of the fact that is how we apportion not only U.S. representatives, but also is how it's proportioned in terms of electoral um, uh, answers. And so, yes, the census does count and it does factor into it. Mostly it factors into it due to the, the 40, 435 members of the House of Representatives. And by the way, that is legally locked at 435. So what ends up happening is every time the census comes out, you'll see things like congressional redistricting. And you'll start to see things like we just saw um, here not too long ago, the last couple of years, that... Um, that they essentially uh, had gerrymandering, and that's what they call it, um, but that's all part of the redistricting process. And in several states, it usually is whoever the party in power is at the time of the redistricting gets to draw up the maps, which is why you'll start seeing things like, um, you know, maps being challenged in court. Um, we've seen a couple court cases. I think I've even talked a little bit about that here not too long ago, or maybe I was just reading news articles or whatever. Um, but the point is, is that, yes, the, the, the country goes through a census every 10 years. That is why you saw places like Florida, because they increased in population, they picked up electoral votes and places like California lost and New York, by the way, lost electoral votes. So part of the reason why California had 55 at one time and New York had something else and uh, in terms of the amount and Texas has so much is based upon their population, which is all tied back to the census. Now, um, whether or not the illegals get counted, as I saw a question in there, that all depends on if the census is actually aware of them and is able to ask them the questions. Now, supposedly, you know, that happens. They're supposed to be able to ask the questions and stuff like that. But the, the census drives more than just House of Representatives and electoral votes. It also drives things like apportionment for um, federal funds and for um, public services and things of that nature. And so... Um, it, we drive quite a bit off of our population um, in terms of trying to relegate or um, properly, um, based on percentage, of course, properly allocate, that's the word I'm looking for, allocate resources um, based on uh, the number of people that are you know, needing to be served, like hospitals, schools, police stations, those kinds of things are all based off of census data. And so that happens every 10 years. We just had it in 2020. We'll have another one in 2030. And um, you'll see the whole process going through it all over again. 
So there's uh, there's House seats that are going to get changed. So California won't have as many um, representatives and Florida will pick up representatives and so on and so forth. So, yeah, it is all based off of the census. Um, And that is part of the census is part of the constitutional requirements to uh, have it done every 10 years. All right. Uh, that is the two questions for question of the week, um, or questions for whiskey, I should say. Do me a favor. If you have a question that you'd like me to research and answer, please send me an email at fans, F-A-N-S, at whiskeymusings.online. That's fans at whiskeymusings.online. Um, okay, so before I go, I know I've got five minutes here. Before I go, I want to point something out. Tomorrow is Constitution Day, obviously. Um, We need to make sure that we promote the learning of the Constitution. This is something that has happened, uh, you know, to our country. We are losing people who understand the Constitution. So this is really, really important um, for people to understand. But I found this website and I want you to kind of take a look. Um, at it. It's called the constitutioncenter.org. And uh, let me bring this up. So constitutioncenter.org, they have a blog here um, that they talk about. And this is a great little piece on the story of Constitution Day and Citizenship Day, which is combined tomorrow. Um, And they have other little factoids and information like here. We have some Constitution Day resources that you can take a look at in their education section uh, where it talks about the public law regarding Constitution Day. You know, when it is when is it observed, which it's observed tomorrow. Um, In this particular case, it'll be the uh, on Monday, because obviously the 17th is a Sunday. Um, it'll be observed by most of these organizations on Monday, but it also goes through and talks about places where you can, you can watch, um, videos. There is a constitution one-on-one curriculum that you can attend or that you can take a look at. You can listen to, they have a podcast called we, the people podcast. If you're interested in, in listening to some of that. And then there's also, a just a plethora of frequently asked questions, facts, um, FAQs, which uh, deal with the Constitution and everything else. This is a great um, place to get some information with regards to our most precious founding document, the Constitution of the United States. And um, definitely, you know, if you have younger kids or even grandkids or whatever, start teaching them about this stuff. Um, Start teaching this and start, you know, um, pushing and and making sure that people start to really understand. I mean, how many people actually understand their rights? I mean, everybody pretty much knows about the amendments, the 10 amendments, the bill of rights, but how many actually know their rights? Like understand that for an example, the third amendment talks about, um, quartering, uh, quartering soldiers and how, and why soldiers can't be put placed into houses and things like that. Um, you know, we know about the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment. Well, the Fifth Amendment's easy. If you watch any kind of true crime or any kind of crime dramas, they always talk about the Fifth Amendment. Well, you know, what is it? How did it come to be? And what 
what kinds of things can you and can and, and can you not do with the Fifth Amendment? The fact is, you know, you just keep your mouth shut. That's it. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be guilty uh, or, or necessarily, you know, um, even as a part of a crime. Taking the fifth doesn't mean that you are guilty or innocent. It doesn't mean anything. It just means you're not going to answer the questions. And it's things like this that we need to kind of focus on and we need to push and we need to to re-educate the young folk who are not getting this education in our national school system today. So take a minute, just like any time like you do on Veterans Day or Memorial Day, to talk about this, to discuss this kind of things. And, um, you know, start taking Americanism seriously. That's what we need in order to combat the situation that we have facing us right now. Whether it's Americanism or totalitarianism in our future in 2024. And that is my final Whiskey Musings thought of the evening. Do me a favor. If you enjoy the program, please head on over to Rumble and sign up for an account. It is free. And then find the Whiskey Musings broadcast channel. Click that follow button. Because I might not be able to transmit on YouTube or Facebook or Twitter if those platforms decide that I am no longer um, uh, worthy of (laughs) transmitting on those platforms. But you can always find me on Rumble. And hey, also, just like Outlaw Dogs has posted, share my links, share my, my um, videos and like them as well, because likes and shares get them on all platforms, gets my videos pushed up um, in the rankings and gets more exposure and everything else. I will see you on Wednesday night at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And we'll, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and enjoy Constitution Day tomorrow. Have a good night, everybody. The Whiskey Musings broadcast is produced by Active Eye Media, LLC. All rights reserved.